0: Chapter Two of Paul the Dauntless. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Leeson. Paul the Dauntless by Basil Joseph Matthews. Chapter Two. The Loom of the Tent Maker. The dark haired boy Saul, as he grew up, took in with his swift brain and quick eyes the wonderful life of the city in which he lived tarsus stretched across a great plain through which a winding river ran from dark snow-rimmed mountains down to the shining sea from the mountains of taurus and from the great high plain up behind the mountains long caravans of dusty stealthy footed camels came striding down bearing on their backs wool and lead and silver ore and many other things from the north and west from the lands of the rising sun other camels came bearing silks and spices and led by dark swarthy arabs up from the great sea as they called the mediterranean the ships sailed into the lake harbour bringing glass from sidon and purple cloths from tyre copper from the island of cyprus and marbles from italy and greece on the ships were ruddy faced men from the west dark bronze featured sailors from the nile and skilful seamen of phoenician blood from the palestine coast Saul would see these things in company with other boys, for in him the instinct that makes boys get together in groups was stronger than usual. All through his life he was very eager for companionship. Yet sometimes the boys would quarrel, we may be quite sure. Saul had a keen, quick temper which caught fire swiftly and would blaze into clean anger. But we know that sullenness was a thing he did not understand. Again and again when he quarreled with another he soon made it up again. He would go as a boy, then, sometimes with other boys, sometimes with his father, in and out among the streets of Tarsus, dodging out of the way of the swinging camels and of the wide horns of the black buffaloes dragging their lumbering wagons along. Each shop along the streets was just a square platform, closed on three sides and open at the front, where the cobbler sat sewing the shoes, red or black, just as you wished, and the tall moccasin boots which he sold. The coppersmith hammered his pans, and the silversmith, working his tiny bellows, heated the grey silver in the forge and tapped it on his little anvil. The saddle-maker cut and sewed his leather trappings for the horses and the camels. The potter's hands moulded the whirling clay, this piece to a lovely vase, that to a common household pan, but all to some use. THE CLICK AND SWISH OF THE LOOM AS THE WEAVER THREW THE SHUTTLE ACROSS AND BACK AGAIN LIKE LIGHTNING HELD SAUL MOST OF ALL, FOR THIS WAS TO BE PART OF THE TRADE HE HIMSELF WAS TO LEARN. A GREAT JEWISH RABBI SAID, THE FATHER WHO DOES NOT TEACH HIS SON A TRADE MAKES HIM A THIEF. AND ANOTHER TEACHER, WHOSE WORDS PASSED FROM MOUTH TO MOUTH, DECLARED, THE FATHER WHO TEACHES HIS SON A TRADE MAKES HIM LIKE A VINEYARD FENCED AROUND whether saul's father was rich or poor he would as a good jew teach his boy a trade the most famous trade in all tarsus was making the tents under which the wandering shepherd peoples on the plain and among the hills could shelter they were long low tents supported by a number of poles and with the edges of the canvas held to the ground with tent pegs miles away up in the hills near the great mountains in the suburb of tarsus where saul and his sister and mother and father went in the summer he saw the long-haired goats of this land of cilicia the hair of these goats was used by the tent makers to weave into the tent cloth for it kept the rain off the backs of the goats and therefore was good when made into thick canvas for keeping the rain out of the tent young saul was taught how to make the tents first he learned how the thread was spun from the goat hair then how these threads were strung from beam to beam on the loom and the shuttles were shot from side to side till the threads were woven into a cloth after that the pieces of cloth were sewn tightly together to make one great canvas and twisted goat-hair ropes were fixed to the edges all looped ready for the tent pegs faster than the swiftest weaver in all tarsus could throw his shuttles or rattle his loom the brain of the boy saul worked he saw the weaver throwing the different colored threads purple green and yellow across his cloth and saul's own mind had three different threads to weave into the wonderful pattern of his mind as the coloured threads in the weaver's loom flashed to and fro till the eye could not follow so the three threads of this boy's life jewish greek and roman crossed and recrossed till they were all blended in one wonderful pattern in the brain of this boy the mind that was yet to become one of the swiftest most daring and yet tenderest that have ever lived i the thread of the centuries the first thread was the rich long thread of the story of his own people it glowed through his mind like a lovely purple thread in a king's mantle woven on the loom of the centuries saul spun the thread as he sat in the dim light of the synagogue and saw them take up the sacred rolls and opening them read out of the law and the prophets and as he squatted on the sand-strewn floor of the school and shouted out the stories he had learned from memory but most of all this thread would come from the story times at home saul's mother when she had ground the corn into meal and made the dough for the thin flat loaves of bread which she baked in the mud oven and as she sat spinning while they waited for his father to come back from the market-place would tell him the stories of his nation they were tales to make a boy's eyes grow round and shining with wonder stories to make him catch his breath with excitement as to whether the shepherd boy or the giant would win in the fight her tales were his picture book the greatest book of adventure in the world through her eyes saul saw the old patriarchs riding on their camels along the horizon of the old old times and pitching their low black tents by the side of the springs of water He shivered as he watched the uplifted knife of Abraham ready to slay his son Isaac, and breathed again when the ram's horns were caught in the thicket and the boy Isaac was free. He heard how Rebekah watered the thirsty camels at the fountain and rode under the blazing sky into the land to meet Isaac, and how her sons Esau and Jacob quarreled and were friends again he could see jacob terrified because the coat of many colors belonging to his favorite son joseph was brought to him all dabbled with blood when all the while young joseph had been thrown into a pit by his brothers for the brothers were tired of his dreams of being greater than they and sold him to the slave dealers who had carried him off with their camel caravan into egypt the most exciting part of the stories young saul would feel began where the tale of the father of his own tribe came when benjamin the youngest son of jacob went down as a boy to egypt there all the brothers saw joseph but did not know him for he had become the greatest man next to pharaoh in all the land until unable to hold himself in any longer joseph told them who he was Saul's hot temper would flame up in him, and his heart would go throbbing with anger when he heard how the Israelites, after Joseph died, were lashed with long-thonged whips by the cruel Egyptian taskmasters under a new pharaoh. But his eyes sparkled again as he saw the little Moses, first hidden as a baby in the bulrushes, and then growing up to lead his own people out of Egypt away across the Red Sea, with the chariots of Pharaoh galloping in vain behind them. THE STORY OF THOSE DAYS IN THE DESERT WAS TOLD HIM, AND THE LONG, WEARY WANDERINGS OF THE PEOPLE IN THEIR TENTS, TILL, ON THE GREAT HILLS OVER JORDAN, THEY LOOKED ACROSS AND SAW THE NEW LAND IN WHICH THEY WERE TO LIVE, THE LAND FROM WHICH YOUNG SAUL'S OWN FATHER AND MOTHER HAD COME. WHAT WAS THE LAW THAT MOSES LEFT FOR US TO OBEY? THE MOTHER WOULD ASK, AND THE BOY WOULD REPEAT THE WORDS THAT EVERY JEWISH BOY LEARNS AS SOON AS HE CAN SPEAK hear o israel the lord our god is one lord and thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might saul came to know by heart also how joshua led them all across jordan and conquered the land how samson carried off the gates of gaza and smote the philistines and how at last blinded and chained He thrust out the giant pillars and hurled the great house and its three thousand insolent feasters into ruin. The boy Saul would enjoy those fierce stories, but his mother would rather tell about the boy in the temple who waited on Eli, and would very much wish that her boy might come to be like young Samuel. We can well believe that Saul himself would prefer those about his own namesake, whom Samuel had anointed king. Would he ever grow as tall as that great warrior king Saul, who stood head and shoulders above the others and led all the people in the great fights in the valleys and on the hills against the Philistines? We can imagine him measuring himself against the wall to see whether he was growing tall, and then running back to hear how David killed the lion and the bear and the giant Goliath, and after Saul died, became king in Jerusalem. And now, young Saul's father told him, Jerusalem and all the land was under the hand of the Romans. Their old country did not belong to them. But one was coming, and their eyes burned like gleaming coals with a fire of hate and of hope as they said it, a king, sent by God, who would roll back all the enemies of the Jews, a leader who would save them. They must wait and be ready when the hour came, when he, the Messiah Prince that was to be, would call them out to fight. In all the stories and every day, whether walking with his father, or sitting on the housetop with his mother, or listening in the synagogue, he would hear these words, To love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart, and with all your soul. They were written on parchment, and put in little leather cases strapped on the foreheads of the men, and on the arms of the growing boys, and were written on the doorposts. On the fringe of Saul's coat was a cord of blue. If any Greek boy in Tarsus had asked him why it was there, Saul would have answered at once from memory, Put upon the fringe of each border a cord of blue, and it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them. This great invisible God could not be shown in the likeness of an image, a statue of marble like those in the Greek temple which Saul passed on his way to school once every year he would see the streets of tarsus all alive with crowds waiting for a great procession to pass if he was allowed to watch he would see a great canopy over the image of a god who was being taken to be burned for the god of the tarsians was burned each year in the belief that he would come into immortal life again through the fire saul had been taught to scorn such a superstition about an idol when he ran home to tell his father about the gorgeous procession his father would surely frown and remind saul to repeat his hear o israel the lord thy god is one god so saul learned that all the great kings and leaders the warriors and the prophets moses and joshua samuel and saul david and solomon had been great and powerful only when they obeyed the commandments of god and when the story of the downfall of his own namesake king saul was told to him they would say simply he disobeyed god and god rejected him so the boy thought of god as one and eternal and all-powerful very just and stern with those who disobeyed him yet merciful to those who were sorry for their disobedience and he waited for the new king who was to come to free his people and he grew to be very keen about all the thousand and one special religious observances that made the Jews feel themselves to be the people of God. This was the first and longest and richest thread that flashed to and fro in the loom of Saul's life, and was woven into the woof of his very being, but it was only the first. 2. THE THREAD OF BEAUTY as saul went down to the water's edge with his companions he would see young men in white tunics and sandals mooring their boats and then running up wide marble steps at the top they joined other youths who were chatting among the great gleaming pillars some of them rubbing oil into their glistening bare bodies from within came the sound of cheering the panting of wrestlers straining to throw one another the ring of the thrown javelin on the pavement Then a team of students would run down the steps, and diving into the water, race one another in a swim upstream and back again. In a quieter place among the further pillars in the shade, a group had settled round an older man. Some stood, leaning against the white pillars, others sat on the pavement. Nearly all had tablets of wax in the left hand and an ivory style in the right, ready to put down some witty saying or wise idea of the Greek tutor then they would argue and questions and answers would fly to and fro more swiftly than arrows in a battle if saul were near enough to hear what the tutor was saying he would be almost sure to hear the words athenodorus said followed by some great maxim which the students would quickly scribble down on their tablets athenodorus had died at tarsus just about the time when saul was born and he was the most wonderful teacher in the world in his day indeed some of the things saul wrote when he was a man are so similar to the sayings of athenodorus that the boy saul may have learned them first from some pupil of athenodorus himself in tarsus partly because of athenodorus the fame of this tarsus university was spreading through all the mediterranean and saul would be able to talk to the students of the university because although he spoke the aramaic language of the hebrews to his father and mother at home and his strict father would not like him to mix too much with people who were not jews yet he talked greek and indeed even read the law and the prophets in a greek translation greek was the language in which men of different races talked to one another in tarsus this seems strange to us because tarsus is a thousand miles from greece but as many as two thousand years before saul was born greek sailors coming along the coast all the way from the aegean sea had sailed up the Sidnus river and settled at tarsus and had traded in the silver and lead which men mined in the mountains assyrian armies and persian had swept across the plain from the east and had conquered tarsus but still the greeks remained there when saul went with his father to buy a new pair of sandals the money which he gave to the cobbler had greek letters all round it saul would be told as a boy by the tarsians who were very proud of the history of their city that over three hundred years before young alexander the great the greek emperor had covered the plain and filled the city with his great armies he had nearly killed himself in this very river by leaping in all hot when the water was bitterly cold with the melted snow from the white taurus mountains the greeks carved beautiful statues which saul's father would hate because a good jew would think of them as idols they also went into training for sports while at the same time training their brains to be swift and agile the jews trained their boys to glory in the past rather than think out new ideas and to think more of the life of the spirit than of the body and mind The greeks taught their boys to think new thoughts and they liked quickness of mind and witty speaking better than a wonderful memory or deep wise old proverbs the wonder of saul was that he remembered the old like a jew but created new and adventurous thoughts more swiftly than even the greek sitting there at the water's edge saul would spy among the boats sailing up and down the broad river some with strange figures painted on them sometimes a ram or a pair of scales or the sun-god apollo these he knew were greek boats painted with signs to bring the sailors good luck his brooding eyes would follow the boat as it sailed down under the evening breeze his adventurous mind would sail leagues beyond the boat to the islands and mountains from which the greeks came where temples were reflected in the sea but the boy saul on the river bank would not imagine that just because he knew the greek language he would some day be able to make wonderful journeys such as no man of his race had ever taken before and not only to speak so that the people of that day in scores of cities from jerusalem to rome might hear him but to write so that we and millions of others today and in all the days to come can share his wonderful story and listen to his great secret the lovely greek thread was woven to and fro in the pattern of saul's mind it gleamed like gold as it lay intertwined with the rich thread of the story of his own jewish people there was a third thread not so beautiful as these but very strong the imperial thread of rome three the thread of empire when i was a boy one of the oldest sailors on the quay at tarsus would begin and we can imagine the boy Saul with others standing round waiting for the yarn when i was a boy and mark antony the roman ruler lived up yonder at the palace the queen of egypt came to tarsus through the harbor here never was such a ship in all the world the barge she sat in seemed to burn on the water the poop was covered with beaten gold and the oars were shining silver that flashed as they dipped and rose in the river keeping time to the playing of flutes the sails were purple and on the deck on a couch lay cleopatra the queen with boys standing by fanning her and with maids in attendance you could not see the harbor here for people everyone in tarsus came out the housetops the quays and the boats all were covered with them we can imagine that one of the boys fresh from school would ask do the romans rule in egypt where cleopatra came from as they do here and many a sailor in tarsus harbor would be able to say yes i have sailed for many a year up and down the great sea and never have i dropped anchor where the romans do not rule i have sailed from here down the syrian coast to tyre and sidon and caesarea and across there to cyprus right away down to alexandria in egypt where the great corn ships anchor and across from the nile to syracuse in sicily i have sailed from brundisium up the gulf of corinth and seen my ship dragged across the rollers to drop again into the gulf that leads to athens from athens i have sailed to ephesus and round the coast to rhodes and back to tarsus and everywhere everywhere you see the power of rome ruling and then the old sailor would not have told all for he would not know that when the great general julius caesar sailed for tarsus nearly half a century before paul was born he had already begun the conquest of a savage island called britain in the north sea far beyond the alps saul as he went back home would pass the many pillared porticos of stately roman temples as he got into the heart of the city again he might see the road swiftly cleared at the sound of the wild clatter of horses hoofs on the paved way as the panting beasts flecked with white sweat swept by on the last mile of their long gallop down from the mountains he would know that this was the roman post that had sped by relay after relay of horses right across asia minor bearing the emperor's commands three words would spring to his lips civis romanus sum i am a roman citizen free-born and with that thought though he knew how many of his fellow jews loathed the roman rule there would come the broadening feeling of possession in that empire which had made the great sea its lake it was the third thread in saul's life the strong rough thread of the roman imperium so the three threads were woven into the pattern of a boy's mind the boy saul who could say speaking in the language of greece i am a jew of the tribe of benjamin A native of Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, I am a Roman-born. He was a citizen of the world. End of chapter 2